0: Uh, The rest of our time now will be devoted to the Word, so open your Bibles to Acts chapter 21, would you? Acts chapter 21. We sang some songs today. In one of our songs, we sang, great is your name in all the earth. The famous one, famous one, great is your name in all the earth. Do you believe that? We sang, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Do you believe that? Brother Bob read a passage of scripture that says that God the Father gave to his Son a name that is above every other, that a name that at which everything in the earth, beneath the earth, and above the earth, and in the earth, everything, everywhere, everyone will confess to God's glory that Jesus Christ is Lord. He gave him that name. You believe that? His name is worthy that, that it should drive us to serve. It should drive us to worship. It should drive us to believe the name of Jesus is the only key that unlocks the forgiveness of sins, reconciliation to our Creator, and the promise of everlasting life. That one name which represents everything that He did, everything that He is, going to talk a little bit today about the name of our Lord. Let's bow before God. Our Father, we thank you for all of your goodness to us and thank you, Lord God, for your word which we can study and and preach together now. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to listen and to learn and to You know, we sing those songs where we say your name is famous and great in all the earth and your name is worthy and we read your word that says that your name is something that everyone will bow the knee at. Help us, Lord, in our lives, moment by moment, day by day, to be bowed before that name and living for the glory and the service of that wonderful name, our wonderful Lord and Savior. Help us as we preach and share the word today to to just be compelled by the truth of your word. May your Holy Spirit work in us, who are your children, to be taught and strengthened. And may your Holy Spirit, you, Lord God, the Holy Spirit work on anyone who's listening to bring conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment that in the name of Jesus they may be saved by your grace through faith. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I just want you to look here. I decided to go ahead and slow things down a little bit in chapter 21, after all. And uh, I decided I want to share with you something that I think is edifying that just comes up right in the middle of this passage. We left off last week in verse... Nine, ten, in that area where uh, Paul was in the house of Philip, the evangelist, and we're told about his four virgin daughters who prophesied, and we talked about that. And, And then this prophet Agabus comes down, and verse 11 says, when he had come to us, he, that's Agabus, took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. That, of course, you'll see in chapters coming up, does indeed come to pass. So it's a true prophecy, and Agabus is a true prophet. in the Holy Spirit has the gift to prophesy. And so he prophesies that. There's nothing ambiguous about it. There's nothing that would leave anybody to wonder what it is that he's talking about. It's a straight-up prophecy that came true, which is the only way that you know that a prophet's really a prophet, is when they say crystal clear things that absolutely come to pass. Otherwise, if someone claims to be a prophet, they're false and to be rejected. That's another issue for another day. And that other day is probably going to be Thursday (laughs) when we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. However... The reaction to this prophecy comes in verse 12. Now, when we... So, notice the human scribe who wrote this down, who we understand to be Luke. uh, He includes himself in this. When, When we heard these things, both we and those from that place, so it's all those who accompanied Paul traveling... And all those who were there in the house, in that place, pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, The will of the Lord be done. And I was... I was going to just quickly kind of go over that, and then the Lord just kind of stopped me and said, you know what, there's something really important to talk about here, isn't there? There's something about how the Lord was at work in Paul that every one of us who has the same salvation, the same faith, the same Holy Spirit as the Apostle Paul, and everybody else who was there, by the way, we want that kind of commitment and zeal and devotion and power stirred up in us that we would take our stand the same way all of the people who are speaking here they're not like serving satan or something like that or they're not they're not bad the prophecy that agabus said was true right it's a little different than you know the story when jesus says who do men say that i am and and peter says eventually you know that you're the christ the son of the living god and then and then right after that jesus starts to teach how he's going to be crucified and he's going to die and rise the third day and peter's like no way that's not going to happen i won't let that happen and, and jesus says what get behind me satan right cuz he recognized that even though even though the Lord had granted to him to understand who Jesus really was in trying to somehow discourage or stop Jesus, he was actually like there was an interference there that was actually satanic, recognized by Jesus to be so. I don't think that's quite the same thing happening here, though there's a similarity. And the reason is the Holy Spirit worked in this prophet Agabus to say that thing which was true. So you have a genuine Holy Spirit gift happening there. There is something about humans, though, that is revealed, isn't there? Not, 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 the, um, not something insidious either, but maybe something that is well-meaning but a little immature. Be gracious about it, right? When they hear this prophecy that, about this happening to Paul, their reaction, and I think it's powerful that Luke, the author, includes himself in this, in this writing. We pleaded with him, don't go. That's the natural reaction, right? You know, if you go to Jerusalem, Paul, here's what's going to happen to you. And the, there have been other cases like this already we've read about in Paul's life. When Paul was at Ephesus and they had that big riot, you know, great as Diana of the Ephesians, you know, and all that stuff. Paul wanted to go in and address that crowd. And the disciples begged him, don't, don't you dare go in there, right? You know, or even when he was at Damascus when he was first converted. You know, Paul was probably gung-ho to get right down to it. But no, they put him in the basket and let him out through the hole you know, in the wall. You know, so, so it doesn't always go that way. But, but what you have here is very well-meaning, loving, devoted brothers who are very committed to the gospel that Paul has been preaching. And they know that the Lord is at work with them in care and in love for him, saying, don't go. Do you hear what he's saying? Don't go. There's something very powerful at work in Paul. We're not glorifying Paul, right? Paul's man with a nature like ours. But there was something, someone at work in Paul whom we glorify. And that caused Paul to say what? What do you mean by weeping? I mean, they were weeping over this. What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? What do you mean by that? Now watch the... So you see the natural human tendency is what? Something, ready? Something bad is going to happen to you. Like the prophecy when Agabus says, ties his own hands and his feet with Paul's belt, which... That, that, that must have been some trick and, qu- and quite a graphic illustration to have someone just sitting there like, here's what's going to happen to the person who owns this belt. That's immediate, that immediately triggers in the people that are there bad. That's bad. And so you should not go because the Holy Spirit's warning you about something that's bad. And they were partly right. The Holy Spirit was warning them about something. But it wasn't bad. The Holy Spirit was confirming to him what he had been told since the beginning of his ministry. Jesus appeared in a vision to a guy named Ananias, not Ananias of Ananias and Sapphira, but Ananias of Damascus. And he says, after Paul had been converted on the road, Jesus famously blinded him, and he was blind for a few days, and... And the Lord appeared to this disciple named Ananias and said, I want you to go and lay hands on Paul. Well, he's still known as Saul back then. Lay hands on him and heal him. And Ananias protested "Did Jesus. What do you mean? This is the guy that everywhere he goes, he persecutes people. And Jesus said, what? No, he's my chosen vessel. And he said, and I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer. So Paul, as he eventually became known, knew from the beginning that this was part of his call. So the natural human reaction, and we have to, listen, this is instructive for us. We need to look through spiritual eyes. We need to learn to see things that God sees. We need to stop when things happen and think for a minute. Something that seems from human natural perspective to be negative may not be. So they're weeping and they're begging them, don't go. But he says this, I am ready not only to be bound. You, you see, poor Agabus there. I'll take my belt back now, if you don't mind. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be bound. I'm not only ready to be bound, but what? But I'm also ready to die, which Agabus's prophecy didn't say anything about, right? Because he didn't die. <laughs> he didn't die in Jerusalem, did he? If you read the rest of the book, spoiler alert. So, 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 so he's like, he's like I'm, what do you mean by weeping here? The Lord has shown me what? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem. And then this, for the name of the Lord Jesus. Great is your name in all the earth, right? The name above every other. Every knee will bow at that name. Worthy is your name, Lamb of God. Worthy is your name. It wasn't just song lyrics in Paul. And it shouldn't be in us either. We absolutely should sing and speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Such glorious truths. Great is your name in all the earth. But then when the music stops, and you leave and you go home, and you walk out the door, and you immediately need to start deciding how I'm going to live the other six days and 22 and a half hours of my life this week until I come back again. Is his name worthy? Is his name great in all the earth? Paul lived for the name of Jesus and was ready to die for the name of Jesus. Not in some mystical way, like saying his name is akin to saying abracadabra. And that gets, that, gets, that gets put forth sometimes in sort of mystical pseudo-Christian circles, like the name of Jesus is some mystical cosmic incantation. That's to be rejected. That's not what we mean. But the name of Jesus is the name of someone. And that someone is your creator and my creator. That someone is the Messiah, the anointed one. That someone is the only begotten Son of God. That someone is the Word who was in the beginning with God. Right? That someone is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That someone died was buried and on the third day rose from the dead, that someone's name is the only name which brings eternal salvation to those who believe. That someone's name is the only name that can keep them all the way to the end and bring them to eternal redemption, that name is the name of the one who is coming again to rule and to reign forever and ever. That one is the name of the one to whom the scepter has been given and will never be taken away from him again. Here's a few things the Bible says about the name of the Lord. Back in Genesis 4.26, we're told that from, we're in like the early days now before the flood. We're told that men began to call on the name of the Lord. And Lord there, L-O-R-D in capital letters is Yahweh. Yahweh is the name of God. Before we knew the name Jesus, right? Before anybody knew the name Jesus, God had revealed to people in the Old Testament times his name, Yahweh. And even before the flood, even before Moses and the law came around, even way way before Abraham was around, men were calling upon the name of Yahweh. They knew the name of Yahweh before there was an Israel. So it's not just a name for the Jews. That's his name from creation, Yahweh. Genesis 4.26, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Then in the law, when God... that history goes by, and you do eventually get to the point where God calls the nation of Israel to Himself, calls them out of Egypt, they go to Sinai, they get the commandments. What's one of those commandments? You shall not take the name of Yahweh, your God, in vain. For Yahweh will not hold Him guiltless who takes His name in vain. Right? When Job... When Job, and there's some question about when Job lived, probably lived before the children of Israel were around. When Job was, for the first time, attacked by Satan, God sovereignly in control of that. But Job 1.20 says, Job arose and tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return. Yahweh gave, and Yahweh has taken away. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. And the Scripture says, In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with any wrong. Amazing, right? Is a man who feared the name of the Lord. Proverbs 18.10, Solomon writes for us, the name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run to it. And what? They are what? Safe, which is another way to say, it's another way, it's a picture of salvation. They're saved from trouble. They're saved from peril. They're saved from danger. The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run to it. Right? Not, not the righteous stand on their own. The righteous run to the Lord. The righteous run to the name of the Lord for safety, and they find it. When Jesus taught us to pray, right? How do do we pray, Lord? Teach us to pray. When he was preaching in the Sermon on the Mount, I think Jesus said this more than one time. When Jesus taught them to pray, it started like this. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy, set apart sacred hallowed be what your name we just passed we just passed easter right and before easter we had palm sunday when jesus entered jerusalem for the last time on what we call palm sunday they took branches from palm trees and went out to meet him and they cried out hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of yahweh The King of Israel, which is a quotation from Psalm 118 itself. So, the scripture has always, from the very beginning and continuously, set aside the name of God as a holy thing. We're told, of course, in the beginning of the New Testament, another detail about the name of our Lord, aren't we? We're told about the name of the Messiah. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's what his name means. The name Jesus basically means the salvation of Yahweh. Right? It's Yeshua. Right? The first part of that is a short form of Yahweh. The second part of that, Shua, which also appears in the name Joshua, in the name Hoshea, uh, in the name Josiah, right? That means salvation. So his name, Jesus, literally means the salvation of Yahweh. So this Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh that you read about through the whole old covenant when Jesus is born, we're told this is the one who is bringing to us the salvation of Yahweh. Pretty powerful name, right? Great is His name in all the earth. Yes. Worthy. Worthy to be praised. Yes. Worthy to be magnified, served, revered, glorified, and preached when you go out of here today and until you come back. Worthy that Paul would say, Why are you making me sad by weeping like this? I'm ready to go and be bound and to die for that name, for the name of Jesus. We live in a world that is brash, offensive, and bold in its rejection of God. We live in a world that has no problem going along with calling people that God created as men, women, and vice versa. You think of the defiance of God that that is. I have no anger towards any person who does that, they've been deceived. But the anger that I have about that is the defiance of the name of our Lord. Do you really, when you pray for someone that God made male who calls themselves female, when you pray to their creator, do you refer to them by their preferred pronouns? Think about it. Do you defy God in your own prayers? It's silly when you think about it, right? But it's beyond silly. It's a symbol of the brashness of the rebellion of this world. More and more Christians are allowing themselves to be sucked into it, to going along with it, to accommodating it, to being agreeable with it. To being tolerant of it, even though it has no tolerance for you. We're not here to fight with anybody. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We're not angry with anyone. No man or woman on earth is your enemy. None. Right? We are here to love even the most hardened hater of God. And to pray for them. And to share the word with them. And to share the truth with them. But my point is, the modern church has been softened, bullied, given into the mores and the values and the beliefs and the rudiments of this world. And then you read the Bible and you read about a guy who says, why are you making me sad telling me not to go to Jerusalem? I know I'm going to be bound. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to die for his name, Clarity. Paul, from the beginning, devoted himself to the Jesus who knocked him off of his horse on the way to Damascus. And Paul stayed with him. The Lord sustained him because of his commitment to the name of Jesus. With the rest of my time here today, I want to share with you a little list that I made. A little Pastor Lou list for you this morning. Uh Uh-oh, he's got a lot of papers there. No, there aren't that many. Ten ways that we can honor the name of the Lord. I'll go through them quick. You ready? There are ten ways. You can write some scripture references down here if you want. Ten ways that we can honor the name of the Lord like Paul did, even in the midst of a confused, rebellious world that is more and more every day affecting the way that Christians think. You need to be devoted to the name of the Lord no matter what it brings you. Here's ten ways that we can be devoted to the name of the Lord. And number one is by far more important than the other nine combined. What is the number one way that a person can be devoted to the name of the Lord? John chapter 1 and verse 12. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When somebody hears the gospel of Christ and when someone has revealed to them the person who is named Jesus and they begin to understand who he is and what he's done, when the person comes to humility and repentance and turns to God and as the scripture says, believes in his name, they're born again, they're born of God. It's not, it's not something that man conjures up and does. It literally says, not of the will of man, not of the flesh. Has nothing to do with their natural birth, not of blood, of the power of God. When somebody believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are born again, they become children of God, and they are forever reconciled to God and saved. It is the point for which Jesus came was to seek and to save that which was lost and to bring redemption to sinners. So the number one way that a person can honor the name of the Lord is by hearing the gospel and being obedient to it. Did you know that? The gospel is actually a command to be obeyed. Men are called to repent and to believe the good news. Belief, faith is an obedient response to the gospel, right? Right? To believe itself is a gift from God. We're saved by His grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's His gift, not of our works. The gospel is not a call to you to do a bunch of stuff to try to earn your place before the Lord, right? You're called to believe. And when you believe on that name, you become His child. You are born in a way that human normal living cannot ever bring about. You're born from above. You're born of God. That's number one. Number two, the second way that a person can honor the name of the Lord is by preaching the one way of salvation that is in that name. The name of Jesus is not only to bring you to salvation, it's to bring your neighbor to salvation. Who's your neighbor? Everybody. Luke chapter 24 and verse 46. We just celebrated Easter, right? After Jesus had risen from the dead, it says that He said to His disciples, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit who was coming. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That's Luke chapter 24. That was fulfilled in Acts chapter 1, 8. Okay? Right after he ascended into heaven. Shortly after he ascended into heaven, not immediately. Right? So, the second way that you can honor the name of our Lord and be committed to the name of our Lord is by preaching to others the salvation that is only in His name. Right? So, you believe it yourself, but then you don't just bottle it up in yourself. And I really believe one of the marks of someone who's really believed is that they have a desire to turn around and share it with somebody else. How can you say that you really believe that this is the only way of salvation and have no desire in you? Look, I know we're afraid. I know we feel like we don't know what to do. I know that we feel like we can't do it. Those are all lies, by the way. But, but look, you at least have in you this unction, this burning desire to share with others the same thing you've got. Are we really that cold towards other people around us? Are we real, do we really think that people are our enemies? We don't believe the word of God and we don't want to share the gospel with them, We're looking forward to people who don't agree with our politics or don't agree with our morality or don't agree with this or don't agree with that. We're looking forward one day to God giving them theirs. Is that how we think? One point, someone was doing something that annoyed Jesus' disciples. And they said, Lord, you want us to call fire down from heaven? like Elijah did. And Jesus was like, I'm paraphrasing, but Jesus is like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. How do you honor the name of the Lord? Listen, there is salvation in nobody else. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. You honor Him by preaching that way of salvation to others. Take gospel literature. I know I plug this all the time, but I do it all the time too. Take gospel literature, some on a table in the back. Take it and just hand it to people. It's amazing what can happen when you do that. It really is. Learn to just share with someone your testimony. Learn to just say, here's what I used to be. Here's how I became a Christian. You don't need to be a theologian to do that. You know every believer they just need the love of God, which we sang about you just you know you come to church, you sing these songs, they're not fairy tales, you know that right? They're not nursery rhymes, they're songs about real stuff. We just sang about the love of God. if the love of God is like just 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 churning in you, you pray to God for courage and you just learn to tell someone what happened to you. you know, I was this, someone preached the gospel to me, I believed. Bible says that I'm a new creation and I know it's true. Do you know nobody? Do you know zero? There are zero people on planet earth who can refute that. Did you know that? People can argue with you about everything. They can't argue about that. You know what you were. You know, I was blind. Now I see John chapter nine. Can't argue with that. Couldn't argue. You know what they said? They said you were completely born in sins and they threw him out. The blind guy, formerly blind guy in John chapter nine. Couldn't argue with him though. There he was. Blind from birth, 40 years old, now he's looking them straight in the eyes because of Jesus. Same as you when you were saved. You sing it all the time. Every time you sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, now I'm found, was blind, and now I see. Every time you sing that, you're affirming that you had the same experience when you believed. So go and tell somebody. They can't refute it. It's irrefutable, unassailable, airtight. Know what I was, know who I am, I know why. Listen, get ready for people to say things like, you were completely born in sins. You know? So what? Who cares? You know, right? You can honor the name of the Lord by telling other people of salvation. Number three, pray. Yes, praying is another way that we can honor the name of the Lord. You know why? Because we're called to pray in his name. John chapter 14. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than than these he will do because I go to my father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Right? This is not some televangelist hucksterism. You know, I want lots of money in my bank account, so I'm going to ask in the name of Jesus and send an offering to the televangelist. That's satanic. Right? This is the first part of it, he says. He says, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also an even greater works. And you know that that's true? Do you know that that has been manifest for 2,000 years? Do you know that the church has actually done in 2,000 years greater works than Jesus did? In what respect? Look at all the Christians. You know, Jesus died. Jesus died and rose from the dead. You hear what I said? He rose from the dead. Anyone here done that? Jesus rose from the dead and manifested himself to his disciples. And when he ascended back to heaven and told them to wait in Jerusalem... There were 120 people. Look at the myriads of Christians down through the ages, right? So the church has down through the ages done the works of Jesus, done even greater than he did. He's the one who does it. We're not greater than him. That's not the point. We're just taking Jesus' words and understanding what he means. He called the church to do even more than he did. You know, greater doesn't mean we're, greater doesn't mean better. Greater means more. We've done more. Right? It's all him working in us because he sent the Holy... And in the context of that, he says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. So it's not like a, you know, a Santa Claus wish list or something like that. I just get whatever I want. But pray, submitting every prayer to his will and pray to the Father in the name of Jesus for the sake of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus, for the purposes of Jesus, not my own. Not for the sake of my flesh, but for the sake of the work of the kingdom of Jesus. Pray in my name. God will give it to you. Those those are Christ's words. Fourth way. Fourth way that you glorify the name of Jesus is simply by your walk. Oh, that, that should not be hard for you to understand. Colossians chapter 3, 17 says it very clearly. Whatever you... A word word that makes a lot of Christians nervous. Do. And, And what really makes Christians nervous is the word before do. You. Right? Whatever you do. In word or deed. You speak words. Right? You do deeds. Right? Every day. Every day you speak all kinds of words and you do all kinds of deeds. Every day. You do. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in what? The name. The name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. So everything you say and everything you do is done in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Greek word is anoma, uh, anoma. Which means name, but, but the, the meaning, the way representatively name is used is like for the sake of, for the glory of, in service to, for the purposes of. So in other words, everything you say or do in your life should be for the glory of the name Jesus. When people hear you, it should give glory to Jesus. When people observe you, it should give glory to the name of Jesus. When people are affected by your actions, it should cause them to give glory to the name of Jesus. Those are Jesus' people. Those are Jesus' redeemed. Those are God's elect. Those are God's saved, anointed, chosen ones, saved by the grace of God. They're Christians. It's those Christians and whatever they do, whatever they say, you know, people may not agree. People may mock. People may spite you. But you know what? Even that glorifies the name of Jesus. Yeah. That's one of one of the ways that you glorify the name of Jesus is by how you talk and by what you do. For time's sake, I won't read that whole passage. I just read verse 17. But if you have the time rate later, we've read it many times before, go back and read Colossians chapter 3 in whole and read the description of your conduct and your words. It's that, that statement in verse 17 that I read is the summation of, of a great passage of Scripture. Number five. You can glorify the name of Jesus through service. Sacrificial Loving, obedient, humble service. We are called by God to be His servants. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 9 says, Beloved, beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. The previous passage was about false believers who come, maybe hang around for a little bit, and then they leave. We're confident of better things concerning you. Yes. Things that accompany salvation. What's that? That's the stuff that you do. That's the, did you know that? Did you know that when a person receives salvation, there are things in their lives that, to use the Bible's own word, accompany that salvation? What is that? Let's read on. I'm not going to guess. Let's read on and see what the passage says they are. Though we speak in this manner, ready? For God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have shown towards His name. When you serve, when you serve by working, when you serve by laboring in love in the church towards the body of Christ, you're not just serving the other people. You're serving the name of Jesus. God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name. In that you have ministered to the saints. See? And do minister. Who are the saints? The saints are your brothers and sisters in Christ. What does it mean to minister? It means to serve. Okay? Right? If you hear sometimes Christians talking, oh, we don't, we don't do anything in service to God. That's what minister means. It means to serve, literally. That's what it means. Right? You ministered to the saints. God is not unjust to forget that you served the saints. When you serve the saints, you're serving His name. Okay? You should be committed to that. Number six. See, we're rolling right along here. Number six, another way that you can glorify, honor the name of the Lord. This is close to what Paul was in, is through suffering, through enduring suffering. Peter put it like this: "Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you." In other words, don't, don't, don't think what carnal teaching, humanistic, worldly, flesh pleasing teaching, false teaching, much modern preaching in evangelical circles, don't believe it. Don't believe that it's strange for a Christian to suffer. Don't think that if you're going through a hard time, it must be because you're not believing enough. If you're going through a hard time, it's because there's something weak. There must be, there must be something wrong with you. You must not be giving enough money to the, to the, to the preacher, the evangelist. You must not this. You must not know. Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached, reproached means people talk bad about you. That's what reproach is. People talk down to you. They're condescending towards you. They mock you. Reproach is to basically persecute with your words. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If I ask you today, before I said anything else, who wants the spirit of glory and of God to rest on them here today? Hallelujah! I want it! Yes! But then if I tell you, okay, you're going to suffer, and it's when you suffer for his name, that's when it comes. Hopefully you'd be just as enthusiastic, and so would I, because that's what the word says the spirit of glory of God rests upon you when you're reproached for his name. On their part, he's blasphemed. On your name, he's glorified. So the persecutor's blaspheming God, but you, by receiving it with joy and patience, you're glorifying the name of Jesus. Number seven, you can honor the name of Jesus by staying true, by staying true to it, as Paul did in the passage we read. You can honor the name of Jesus by staying true. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8. The letter to the church at Philadelphia. He says, I know your works. See, I have set you before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they're Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth, which... I'm not going to break down all the eschatological theology of all of that right now. There's no time. Another sermon for another day. But I will point out to you that what he's saying there is, even though they were persecuted, they did not deny his name. The, 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 the hard to read sometimes example of this is Peter before Jesus is crucified, right? No way, Lord. Even if everyone else deserts you, I won't. No, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to de- you get the rooster crows. You're going to deny me three times, and you read through Scripture. You're 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 one of them. You're one of us. Th- no, I'm not. You 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 uh you speak Galilean. You speak the same. You must be. You're going. No, no, no. You're a fisher. No, no. I I don't know him. I don't know him. And the rooster crows right. And of course he gets restored. And we and you know it would be very very foolish and proud for any one of us to look at peter and be hard on him right i'm um, peter pretty awesome disciple of the lord but listen what Pe- what jesus says to that church at philadelphia in revelation chapter 3 is when you were persecuted you didn't deny my name you stayed true to my name you've kept my command to persevere And because you've kept my command, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial which is going to come on the earth. The name of the Lord is glorified when we are persecuted for that name, we do not deny it. Pray for strength, brothers and sisters. What sorts of things do you pray for? Are your prayers really just help me with this? Give me that. Make this person get better. Allow this to go well. Make this to go. God, do this for me. God, do that for me. I do not say that you should not bring those things to the Lord. I do not say that. But do you ever pray, Lord, help me, no matter what people think of me, to be strong and to confess your name before men, that Lord Jesus might confess me before the Father in heaven, and help me to not deny your name, no matter what people might say in mockery of me. It's, it, it, courage, that kind of courage doesn't come naturally to most humans. It doesn't to me. That's even Paul said, pray for boldness for me the Ephesus church? When you pray, do you pray for that? Do you care about that? Do you understand that the walk of a Christian is characterized by going through a world that hates God and confessing that you love him? And when you receive trouble for it, you take your stand as he commanded us. That's a way that you can glorify his name. Number eight. This one, I like this one. Pursue fairness in all things. That's a way you can honor his name. The book of James chapter 2 and verse 1 says this. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings, fine apparel, And there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom Which he promised to those who loved him. But you've dishonored the poor man. Now listen to this. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into their courts? Listen to this. Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. One of the ways that you can honor the name of Jesus is by not showing partiality among the brethren. Every brother and sister in Christ is placed on equal ground. We're given different gifts in the body. Some places in the body may seem like more prominent than others, but every Christian... No matter how annoying they may be. And some of you are really annoying. I have to tell you that. <laughs> Chris is back there raising his hand. Yep, that's me. No. Listen. No, seriously. None of you are. Well, most of you aren't. Um, so, so but, but the point is, when you show partiality in the body, you're sinning because you're propping up like a system of thought and a system of understanding that is characteristic of the world. A world which curses the name of Jesus. The world which rejects the name of Jesus and dishonors the name of Jesus is very good at sucking up to one another. Have you noticed that? That shouldn't happen in the church. The church should be famous for being a place where being rich or being poor matters not. There's a whole lot more to say about that, but I got to move on. Number nine, the ninth way that you can honor the name of the Lord is by pursuing holiness, pursuing holiness. There's a bunch of verses that I could read to you about this, and I picked one. Second Timothy chapter two and verse 16. Timothy is told, shun profane and idle babblings, for they increase to more ungodliness. Shun them. Don't get wrapped up in a bunch of nonsense, waste of time, foolish talk. Their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus, Philetus, they're of this sort. They've strayed concerning the truth, saying the resurrection's already passed. People always have strange... People people that are divisive and cause trouble, they always have strange pet doctrines that they grab on to like one little point and just hang on to, the resurrection's already passed. we preaching about the Christ is going to come, the dead are going to rise. The resurrection already happened. And they get focused in on one point that's usually wrong. And it just creates all this division. Timothy's told, shun that. Nevertheless, instead of that, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. What is the seal of the foundation of God? The Lord knows those who are his and Ready? Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If you name the name of Jesus, if you name Jesus as your Savior, one of the characteristics of your life is that you strive to leave sin. That is to say, you honor the name of Jesus by pursuing holiness. You get it? If you, if you name Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, but you just, without any conscience, without any striving, without any prayer, without any trying to encourage and be encouraged among the brethren to leave the sinful life that characterized your unsaved existence, you're bringing You're bringing something bad on the name of Jesus. When you pursue holiness, you're glorifying the name of Jesus. Lastly, number 10, love the word of God. Now I'm shifting gears a little bit for this last one, but not much. Because we're talking about the name of the Lord, right? The name of the Lord is inseparable from the word of the Lord. In fact, we're told that in the beginning of the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word and the Word, this person, a person called the Word. The Word was with God. I mean, what a person's called is their name, right? The, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And we know the Word was and is Jesus. Turn with me as we close the service here. We won't sing the last hymn or anything. I just want you to, I want you to hear this. Turn to Revelation chapter 19. Chapter 19 in Revelation, starting in verse 11. Here's something that hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness, he judges and makes war. That's a little different than being born in a manger, right? So, so, so Jesus at the first coming, that's Christmas. Here's Jesus at his second coming. Not going to be a baby in a manger, right? His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Amen. His name, the name of the Lord, is inseparable from the Word of the Lord. Amen. It goes on to say that the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword with that he should strike the nations. He himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads The winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. He's got the robe, the names written on his thigh. King of kings, Lord of lords. That's our Lord who's coming. His name is the word of God. One of the ways that you honor the name of the Lord is to love and honor and pursue and study and believe and know and practice the word of the Lord. Don't say you know the Lord. Don't say you love the Lord if you have no interest in the Scriptures. You don't know God if you don't know the book. You don't know the Lord if you don't know His Word. You don't love the Lord if you don't know the Lord. And you don't know the Lord if you don't know the Word. You can't separate His name from His Word. His name is the Word of God. Ten ways you can glorify the name of the Lord. What did the Apostle Paul do? Hey, stop making me weep. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die for the name of the Lord. How can you have such devotion? Number one, be saved through faith in his name. More important than the rest of them. Number two, preach that way of salvation through his name to others. Number three, pray in his name That his work might be done in you and through you. Number four, walk, speak, live, do everything in his name. Number five, serve in the body of Christ, serve his name by serving his people. Number six, endure reproach and suffering for his name. Number seven, stay true to his name no matter what comes your way. Number eight, pursue fairness and justice. And not partiality in His name. Number nine, pursue holiness in His name. And number ten, love His word, which is inseparable from His name. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, for this time that we have together here today. Lord, I pray that you would take now the words which we have spoken and listened to here today. By your Spirit, work powerfully in our hearts. Help us to understand, to believe, and to be doers of it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.